Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of Behind the Curtain on the Nittany Sports Now Network. He's Paul. I'm Jared. Murph, let's get after it, man. Let's start grappling with some topics. We're going to talk the more important stuff in the second segment. We want you to stick around. We don't want you to, to just turn it off as soon as you hear our names and hear our voices. We want you to turn in later because we got some important stuff to talk about with Penn State football and the NCAA. Um, and I know you have some strong feelings on that, but let's start on the mat. Let's start talking about wrestling because Penn State wrestling is probably the best sports dynasty um, in recent memory, if not of all time, as it stands right now. Uh, yeah, this seems to be, you know, since since Cal Sanderson came on board, um, he's really put this put this program on the map. Um and you know he's he's moving up into the Dan Gable Iowa uh, era. Uh, back in the day, uh, not quite at that level, but it does not take much to see that you know Sanderson what he's done with this program. Uh, you know they've won ten of the last twelve, and you know when Dan Gable they won fifteen titles in twenty one years. And, you know, Penn State is moving into that, into that neighborhood. And, you know, so it's um, Penn State wrestling has become the, the program that is when you look at an Ohio State in football and um, for a lot of years, Alabama in football, um, they they reload. They don't lose. They just reload. And, and that's exactly what's happening here. And, and you know, obviously, they right now they're the preseason favorite again. Uh, to win the NCAA tournament, and and you know they they've got they got some key losses from last year with you know Roman Roman Bravo Young moving on, and you know he was he's a big loss, but you know they got they got some guys coming in to help fill that void, and the, the transfer from Minnesota, and he he's going to be taking over, I believe, at the one thirty three mark for for Roman Bravo Young. Yeah, and, you know, according to Instagram, it does seem like Carter Sirachi is coming back, and that is a huge returner for for Penn State. Sirachi is is an incredible wrestler. He's had a multitude of success for them, and that's a really, really nice anchor to have return to your stable for Kale Sanderson. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, the, the two wild cards basically coming into the season were Sirachi and, and Aaron Brooks um, because both – have indicated their desire possibly to to join the the Olympic team, and uh, right now it does seem that uh, Carter is is basically going to come back to Penn State, and you know Aaron Brooks. When when you look at what Aaron Brooks has done over um, the last few years, um, at one eighty four, this is this is uh, this is turning into a a situation for him. He's going to be able to bump up. Uh, most likely to 197 this year, and they're getting the Bernie Truax who committed um, basically another transfer came from Cal Poly Tech, and he was at 197, and it looks like they're going to switch roles there. Uh, of course, you got you know when you when you go th down through the Penn State lineup there, um, uh, over the over the years 125 has always just kind of been the Achilles heel. It's almost like they punted on that on that weight class. Uh, Robbie Howard coming back this year. He was injured most of last year, um, but they do have um, 
going through the lineup, like I said, you got Nadal coming in from Minnesota, but then you got Bo Bartlett and Levi Haynes, who basically exceeded expectations last year. Um, in fact, it was at one point they were deciding whether they wanted to actually send him back out to the mat to burn his red shirt. Obviously, um, he did burn his red shirt and he finished number two in the country as an All-American. Uh, so one, one, 165, you got Facundo coming in. Uh, coming back is, uh, you know, he made it to the round of 16 last year. But once you start moving up to the top, that's when, once again, Penn State's showing its teeth with you know, Starachi and Truax, Aaron Brooks, and, and Greg Greg Cavell is coming back at 285. Um, so, you know, they, they are reloading. And, and of course, you know, the, the one that's always on the tail is Iowa. Uh, always Iowa. Um, but Iowa, Iowa lost uh, a lot last year. Of, you know, of, of course, nobody will forget Spencer Lee. And, and now Spencer Lee is more known for his mother's annex at the, at the, the championships last year. But um, Iowa's got themselves a little situation where they've got like six wrestlers suspended over betting on, uh, on the gambling stuff. So... And one of those is Tony Cassiope. Uh, and Cassiope is, 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 you know, he's he's one of their best people. Uh, and also Nelson Brands is another one. And I think he recalled last year, I think he went up against Storoshi and he did a little bit of a, you know, chicken wing performance at the end of his match. <laughs> so uh, I, I see no reason why Penn State... Uh, doesn't repeat this year, barring any, you know, injuries to 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 the guys. But, but Jared, we gotta, you know, when I say about reloading, and you go back and you look at the the classes that they're bringing in, and right now in the twenty twenty four class, they have five of the top ten wrestlers in the country um, coming in, and you know, one of those kids is is a the Mason Gibson kid out of out of Bishop Court, and he he committed. Um, but you know, the big news from them is that, um, just a couple of weeks ago, um, the Duke kid, uh, he committed and he is the top ranked wrestler in the 2025 class. Um, he wrestles around, you know, around one, I think it's, I don't forget the weight class that he's in like 125 in high school, but we're foreseeing him as possibly moving into the 138 to 157 weight class. So yeah. and listen, when they get to college, man, they get on that little weight program. If things change, and in a good absolutely. way, absolutely. Uh, you know, so Penn State has, you know, they have some kids coming in that are, you know, the local kid, like I mentioned, the Gibson kid from McCourt, and they got Dalton Perry coming in from Central Mountain, and and Ashford Cunningham from from State College, and so once again, you know, they got they got some kids coming in that are going to help. Um, the Lilladale kid, who is, you know, he's the second highest recruit in the 2024 class. You know, he's possibly something, somebody that could slide into that 125 weight class um, and, and maybe the 133. And so, you know, you got to find a void there for 133. It's, it's hard to replace a, a talent like William Bravo Young, uh, you know, who got, you know, he got upset last year in, in the finals. But um, I mean, Sanderson has just done an absolute great job. Um, I mean, he's just, 
you know, you got guys that are graduating out of other programs that come to Penn State to work out with the team in preparation for nationals or the world uh, wrestling, freestyle wrestling, things like that. Uh, the Kyle Snyder guy is one guy that comes to mind there uh, from Ohio State that came in and uh, trained with the Penn State team. Uh, so, you know, Sanderson, he, like I said before, he's coming up there into the Dan Gable era. And, and, and Jared, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, you, you look at how successful Penn State's program has been, but Iowa won 21 straight Big Ten titles when Dan Gable was there. Um, that's probably going to be <laughs> never broken or matched um, just because some of these programs now are a little more, um, I don't want to say dominant, but they're a lot better than what they were back then when, when I was dominating. But, you know, Sanderson comes in and, and he's just been phenomenal. I mean, he's matching his, his uh, wrestling record when he was in college. You know, he was 159 at 0. Um, at Iowa State, won four titles, and, and and that has carried over to his coaching, where he just, you know, I, I believe at Penn State, he's like 186 and 16 in his tenure. Um, so he's definitely going to challenge Gable um, as far as you know winning percentage and and, and wins and, and and such. But you know he's he's. He's got the team where he needs to be. He just reloads. Uh, now his people want to come here. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see some of these new kids that they got coming in um, with these transfers. And, you know, there's possibly three transfers that are going to step into into the to the lineup there to try to fill the void until these younger guys get into the program and, and, and get situated as well. So, yeah. Looking I mean, excited. Oh, it's, there's, it's always exciting to be – you know, involved in Penn State wrestling and to watch Penn State wrestling. And, you know, we talk about Kale Sanderson as a wrestling coach, but he was as incredible as, as a wrestler himself. So for, for people like the Kyle Snyders to come and learn from him, I mean, he, he what he's done with Penn State wrestling has been incredible. But what he's done in addition to that with Nittany Lion Wrestling Club has been even more impressive, I think, you know, with the amount of talent that they churn out there and it's working out there and that he brings to central Pennsylvania. That in and of itself is great. I mean, they're at Iowa this year. That's always going to be rough, um, but that's going to be one heck of a match. It's going to be one heck of a, a dual meet. Um, and that's going to be a nice little benchmark to see what they're, what's going to be in store at the Big Ten Championships before nationals. And I, I'm excited to see that. Obviously, you know, you talk about some of the coaches at, at Penn State, and I think wrestling kind of goes noticed but not noticed, right? Like Sanderson has been there for a long, long time. And it, and that's a good it's a good thing, right? Like that is a very, very good situation. Um, and you know, in 2010, um, you know, they win the their first Southern Scuffle, their and it's been kind of all, you know, downhill. Since there, he was just one of those situations where he came here and wins the 2011 NCAA title in Philly, and then it's his first championship as, as a head coach. And that is huge because he came from his alma mater. Not many people are comfortable leaving their alma maters, and especially a guy that had as much success uh, in history at Iowa State that Sanderson did. 
Uh, yeah, because um, he was there for three seasons. Um, he, he led them to a second, a fifth, and a third place finish in his three years there. And, you know, Iowa kind of, you know, fell away a little bit after, after Sanderson was there. But um, you're correct. I mean, it's tough to get somebody, especially, you know, I don't really think anybody could have predicted that Sanderson would end up uh, with the record he has at this point. Um, it's, it's, it's nice to see. It's nice to get some of these guys locked up. Um, I know that that was, um, I think, two years ago when his contract was being kind of negotiated and some things came out. And, you know, that's one of the good things they've done is kept, kept this guy around. Um, his staff that, that he has on board with, you know, his younger brother, Cody. And, and I mentioned the, the Cunningham kid from State College. His father is also a, uh, an assistant coach there under, under Cal Sanderson. And, and, you know, David Taylor, as we all know, David Taylor is kind of a, on the Mount Rushmore of wrestlers that come out of Penn State. You know, he has his, his wrestling uh, camp and stuff there. And I believe it's called M2. And some of these, some of these kids that are um, still in high school, or the one kid moved in so he could attend his camp while going to State College High School, as well. So, um, you know, the outreach is there. It doesn't hurt to have somebody like a, a David Taylor running a camp right in your hometown, or literally right outside of State College, really. And so the the, the future's right there for the wrestling team. Um, I think they're going to have. Uh, and I don't want to say an easier path, um, but Iowa's going to be down a little bit this year. So you got guys like Nebraska. I mean, Nebraska has a, you know, has stepped into the front. I mean, Nebraska had a nice, a nice run last year. So, you know, I would not be surprised to see Nebraska finish up in the top three uh, this year when it's all said and done as well. So, uh you know, the, the, the transfer portal has definitely, you know, people talk about it with football, they talk about it with basketball, but the transfer portal has definitely changed the landscape in wrestling as well, because, you know, some of these guys that, you know, who, who wouldn't want to wrestle for, for Cal Sanderson. So this will be yeah. another good season for them. Yeah, exactly. I think you put the nail on the head there with who wouldn't want to wrestle for him, and, you know, um, and that's, I think, a great situation to be in. But we're going to talk a little bit about the future of Penn State football after we come back from this quick break on Behind the Curtain on the Nittany Sports Now Network. Welcome back to Behind the Curtain on the Nittany Sports Now Network. I'm Jared. He's Murph. Murph, let's talk about the future. Penn State just released their their schedule for the next five years for the for the Big Ten. And once again, Penn State is unrivaled. Somewhere James Franklin has a, has a smile that goes ear to ear, and he is very, very rigid. And I think that's what makes this so funny to me, is they don't have a true rival, somebody that they play every year, um, which just goes right into Penn State branding, and I can't wait to see what they do once this schedule starts. But that schedule starts in 2024, and let's run through it a little bit. Illinois at home. Maryland at home, Ohio State, UCLA, and Washington all at Beaver Stadium. That's not a bad slate to be coming to Happy Valley. No, it's um, 
and when you look at who they were going to have last year and who came out of that um, with the home schedule next year, they, they dropped from that uh, reorganization there of the schedules. So they lost Michigan State. They lost Nebraska. Like, who cares about Nebraska football? And we all know the, the, <laughs> the situation at Michigan State right now. And, and they dropped uh, Northwestern, I believe, too, from being home. Um, I could be wrong about that, but I think that was the three teams that they were supposed to have at home. So now you're effectively replacing them with Maryland, who's off to a 5-0 and start. And we're going to see what they're all about come this Saturday against Ohio State. Um, you replace them with Maryland, you replace them with UCLA, you replace them with Washington. So when you, when you look at the, the bottom feeders with Northwestern, Nebraska, and Michigan, replacing them with Washington, UCLA, Maryland, that's a huge win for you know, for the fans, for, for the home schedule for next year. Yeah, and then they go on the road at Minnesota, uh, which we, we all kind of remember what happened the last time they were there. <laughs> um, Purdue, uh, USC, they're going to Southern Cal, and then um, Wisconsin. And that's not a bad waste slate either. That 2024 home, or Big Ten schedule is pretty difficult. It is. It is. Um, and, you know, with, with the away games last year, I think the out-of-conference games are Bowling Green, Kent State, and West Virginia. Um, uh, at West Virginia. Yes, at West Virginia. Uh, so that, that's, that's going to be an interesting, you know, and I'm glad to see it. You know, uh, West Virginia right now, I mean, go back to that first game of the season and, and you know, West Virginia started off 0-1, didn't play exactly a terrible game. Um, somewhat subpar, but not terrible. But now we can see the effect of, you know, how good is Penn State when it comes to the defense? Because right now, West Virginia is riding a, a, you know, a four-game winning streak. So that's that's great for Penn State, strength to schedule. Uh, but the away, the away last season for next year, they, they took away at Indiana um, and at Rutgers, I believe, were the ones. And so Wisconsin stays on the schedule, and they added at Minnesota, and they added at USC. So um, as you know, uh, as you know from the last time, well, not last year, but, you know, years ago when Penn State played USC in the Rose Bowl, um, you were there, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I was there, and it's an easy five-hour drive, so I can pretty much put that one on my schedule uh, for next year to be at. Listen, what I want to see is I want to see them play at Allegiant Stadium. I want to see them play USC or UCLA at Allegiant Stadium. Make that Let's make that happen. That uh, I'm not that far from Vegas either. That's actually a shorter drive for me. <laughs> that, and I was thinking about that today. So this is going to be a little off topic, but I think that would make the allure of um, – of playing those games a little bit nicer, right? You know, obviously you take a little bit of away from USC or UCLA. And honestly, I think you take a little bit. I've seen some of the crowds there. Um, Penn State's going to help their crowds out. They obviously the alumni association in LA is, is massive, just like it is throughout the country. Right. But played in played in Vegas. And the reason why is number one, I think that's a nice little destination. The NCAA is going to, talk all at once in public about betting and gambling and all kinds of fun crap like that but deep down they love it they know it james franklin embraces it right good teams win great teams cover um but at the same time the ncaa wants to host championships there like that is a great destination for 
for championships. Like, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of danger that comes with that, right? Like with distractions and things like that, you know, you might go to Siegfried and Roy show and get attacked by a tiger, but you can do that at LSU. (laughs) Um, But they, they want to host national championship games there. They want to host the final four games there, but you have that at Allegiant stadium with things going on all throughout for players, for fans, for parents, for coaches, administrators, um, and you brag, hey, we're going to play this game in Vegas. I also wouldn't doubt that being an being a Big Ten championship facility down the road um, either. And it would actually get them a chance to play some really good football in Las Vegas as well. But that that I think is a pipe dream. I will. My phone is available. Um, my my cell phone will be on if the Big Ten would like to talk to me about those ideas. Um, <laughs> but it, it gets a little bit better in 2025. And of course, like we say, like I, I think you have to mention 2025 with a massive massive asterisk and that goes for 2025 to to 2028 because there's so much that can and will happen between now and then you have no idea what's going to happen with clemson and some of the acc teams you never know what's going to happen elsewhere right so there 25 i wouldn't take the 2025 slate with a grain of salt but at home it's a lot it's not necessarily that impressive you got indiana nebraska northwestern and oregon quack quack is the best game there um, then you're at Iowa, at Michigan State, at Ohio State, at Rutgers, at UCLA. Well, crap. Ohio yeah. State is going to be tough. Iowa, sh- I, I don't want to say that Iowa is going to be tough. Typically, it is tough to play at Kinnick. God knows who their offensive coordinator is going to be. Maybe Brian Kinnick's son. I don't know. Or Brian um, Brian Ferentz's son. Right. <laughs> um, oh, but UCLA will be a fun little matchup there as well. Yeah, UCLA, uh, again, we're about five hours out of that. So I'll probably be planning on, on going to that game as well to see to see that game. But the, the 2025 home schedule is absolutely underwhelming. Um, you, you mentioned the Indiana, Nebraska, Northwestern. And you add into that, they got Nevada and Villanova <laughs> as, uh, as two of their out-of-conference uh, games. So yeah, it has it is uh, underwhelming. I'm sure they may be able to slot another team in there now since you know they're going with a nine, a nine game Big Ten schedule. So you know those those are your nine games right there. Um, two out of conference right now is Nevada and in Villanova. So you know maybe Nevada can convince Penn State to come out to Las Vegas out here. I mean, but you know Penn State's not giving up that paycheck at at home. Oh, no, absolutely not. They will never give up a paycheck. And that's why, you know, that's why the deal with Pitt never works out because Pitt wants, they need a game like that. They need games like Penn State and Notre Dame because that's how they fill their stadium. That's no, that's, I don't want to say that's disrespectful. That's just facts. Um, Sure. um, But that's the thing. Like Penn State, I mean, you can subsidize certain sports with a single game weekend at Beaver Stadium. And that's, that's absurd, right? Um, But yeah, you know, Take it away from USC, where I don't, th- or UCLA, but make it more enticing. And I think that's also going to put it on the map for college football. I mean, you have the kick Chick Fil A kickoff at the Georgia Dome, or I guess Mercedes Benz Stadium now is what they call that little monstrosity down there in Atlanta. But yeah, it, it make it a little bit fun and watch Penn State open on the road at USC or UCLA one of those years, right? Like I, I can just feel that coming. They'll start at home next year, but next year they'll go out. In, in 2025 and play at UCLA to start the season. I can see the Big Ten doing that to Penn State rather easily. I, 
I would like to see in 2026 when USC does make the trip back east, I would love to see them play USC like the second week in November. Back home, that would be perfect. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's going to be like the – it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out because I don't think these schedules are done. Um, but things things are changing, and, and that's, um, that's going to lead us right into our third and final segment. Um, here on the behind the on behind the curtain on the Nittany Sports Now Network, we'll get to that here after a quick break. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Behind the Curtain podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. He's Murph. I'm Jared. Listen. I, during the break, I took a photo shoot. I'm on an unofficial visit. I took a photo shoot um, and, you know, doing it for the gram, right? And, um, you know, that's now illegal. I'm not allowed to do that. So I just got the school that I am visiting into some serious hot water. Yes, that's right. The NCAA passed legislation that you are no longer able to have photo shoots on unofficial visits. Why does that matter? Everybody loves to see themselves some me, right? Some of themselves. And this doesn't saying like your mom and aunt or whoever else goes on the unofficial visit can't take a picture of you when you put on that seam swag and you put on the helmet and the shoulder pads and look tough and whatever. It's just saying that they can't have school photographers do that anymore. And honestly, I think it's great because number one, it, it it's so irrelevant for unofficial visits. The photographers and, and content managers and social media people, they have lives too. They don't get paid nearly enough to put up with, more high school bullshit um, from teach from coaches, from parents, from players. Let them enjoy their time, but only for official visits. Make that happen. You know, official unofficial visits can happen year round, anytime, and unless there's a dead period. But yeah, to me, it's a non-issue. But I gotta love that the NCAA is finally stepping in and saying no more photo shoots. Yeah, I, I I was I was checking up on that and, and kind of reading into that to see what what the what the purpose of this was and 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 you kind of brought it to to my attention there a little bit. So they're they're not they're allowing the parents or the friends or whoever is along on, on the unofficial visit to to take you know photos with their cell phone of of their uh, of their student athlete in 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 the gear and stuff like that, um, but. You know, some some of the listeners, you know, some of you may not know this, the difference between an official visit and an official visit. So when you are on an unofficial visit, the school does not pay for anything. They don't pay for the transportation. They don't pay for the lodging. They don't pay for the dining, uh, any of that. And so you can host a kid. Uh, I believe it's one time uh, on an official visit. And then... Um, I do believe that the NCAA has removed that limit of the total number of official visits a prospect can take um, before signing. So um, it, I guess from what, from what I saw and, and reading up on this, and, you know, because I, I did see where people were applauding it and a lot of the coaches and stuff were actually uh, applauding it. And it was that a lot of times those photo shoots take up more time. And so when you have an official visit, you do have things on a on a time constraint, and you can lead kids to this, to that, to the next thing, and and everything's kind of planned out for you. An unofficial 
is a little bit more open. And I guess that that was kind of taken up some time. So I, I can understand that. I can understand why they're um, um, wanting to do this. But I am surprised that they actually did something that makes sense. Yeah, crazy, right? And then they went and did something else that made sense. And that they made North Carolina receiver Tez Walker eligible. But my favorite part of this is the NCAA. Not only did they make him eligible for a transfer waiver after months of just keeping his kid in the balance, they blamed it on North Carolina. And I love, I love the pettiness in this. If they would have turned in the right amount of or the right paperwork months ago, this wouldn't have been a problem. Unless there's something that we don't know, I don't see how this is an issue. I don't, I don't see how this couldn't have been an issue unless there was some T that wasn't crossed or an I that wasn't dotted. Everything that was out in the open in the, in the public that North Carolina willingly shared with literally everybody not named the NCAA, it seems, made it seem like this was a cut and dry case that his waiver claim would be accessible and it would be allowed and he would be eligible. Now he's missed almost half a season. And good for North Carolina to get him back. Drake May has got to be loving this, right? But, man, the NCAA, they just backed that bus right up over North Carolina's <laughs> athletic administration. And you got to love it. Got to love the pettiness here. Yeah, I am. I'm, uh, I'm interesting enough, Jared, with this is, you know, kind of go back to the situation at Michigan State with how that was handled between – not so much with the NCAA, but that was the Michigan State and and um, the coach and stuff. That it was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Now this has gone back and forth. So now the ball has been thrown back into North Carolina's court, and as you said to me earlier today, now we're just waiting for a response. You know what? How's how's North Carolina going to respond to the NCAA? Basically taking. UNC and throwing them under the bus now after Mac Brown and UNC threw them under the bus before. So um, it's it's going to be interesting to see to see what's going on. But there is, you know, there there, there are some things going on in the NCAA, and and I have one, and I know that you um, have the one about the professor at Michigan State, but I don't know <laughs> if you did right. did see today that Pat Fitzgerald now. Speaking of, of things, has now filed a $130 million lawsuit against Northwestern uh, defamation and wrongful termination. Uh, with ten is putting the lit in litigation, and I think like it is just absolutely remarkable what they're doing. But at MSU, a professor was placed on leave after it was discovered he was actually a fugitive using a fake name who had been busted for running a meth lab in Louisiana before fleeing the South to avoid prosecution, and that was not the top story in East Lansing this week. No, that is Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker is at it again because as Pat Fitzgerald is suing, Mel Tucker is coming in guns a blazing at Brenda Tracy in the university, and it is just incredible. They re his, He and his uh, legal team released a 106-page document that I read today, and man, it is going to get ugly, and it's going to get ugly quick. And I think that is just one of those situations that, man, I, I this is going to be so much deeper than Michigan State football. Not that Michigan State football is very relevant right now for the for the good reason, 
But man, it, it, there's just so much that's going to happen and come out of this. I can't wait to see what happens next. Big Ten is must see TV, man, and it is incredible right now. Yeah, that's that's going to be interesting to play out because I think that's going to have an effect on some of these guys who are you know are in consideration or in or want to consider possibly moving on to to Michigan State to take over that program. So it's going to be interesting to see how how this all plays out because that definitely will uh, impact some of these guys. But I can honestly say, and, and, and moving along in those lines, I'm pretty sure that one of the guys that's not going to be considered, and, and here's my weekly, my weekly big, is Pat Narduzzi losing to drop pit to one and four, and in the process has now named Penn State transfer quarterback from the one-word offense, Christian Veo, as his starting quarterback moving forward. And, you know, they got Louisville, they got a bye this week, they got Louisville the week after. And but the, the, the best exciting news about this full movement with naming him starter is what you just told me in between the break, because I have missed that. So I will let you take that one on. Yeah. And Phil Dracovic is now a tight end. Our friend Noah Hiles <laughs> at the Post-Gazette. Um, tweeted that out, broke that news on the, the X or Twitter or however you, the hell you want to say it. Um, my grandkids will know that as Twitter. Twitter. Um, yes, he is now a tight end. Um, he, and not only was he demoted from starter, he was demoted to third string. Like, and that, and our news, he doesn't know quite what he's doing. Um, so that's not a shock. He's a defensive guy. Why would he ever care about offense, right? Um, but yeah, and he's, he's now a tight end to help prolong his, his, NF, or his, his football career. And that is just – that is not something I had on my bingo card for the year. But, alas, here we are. Penn State's bye week is a lot more entertaining than anything that I've experienced in quite some time. Sure. Um, you know, it's been pretty quiet with the Penn State brass this week. Uh, you know, Manny Diaz getting the Ohio State fans all bent out of shape because it, <sighs> if somebody says something, the Ohio State fans get, get upset, a.k.a. Lou Holtz. If somebody <laughs> says, I'm just going to keep my comments to myself, like Manny Diaz, the Ohio State fans get upset. So Ohio State is just like a mad Karen group of fans right now. Um, it's it's interesting. It's been pretty quiet from from, from Curtin Road this week, uh, trying to get some guys healthy like Harrison uh, Wallace and and the, the status of, of J.B. Nelson seems promising. He's not uh, the year. It may not, it may not be immediate, but it could pay dividends down the road right and that's you know it's nice to have a, a quiet bye week every once in a while now the bye week is nearly over you've got umass up next 3 30 uh next saturday at beaver stadium i would be remiss if we didn't mention grams up in smoke barbecue once again you'll be able to test their pulled pork and some other goodies i'm a big fan of the smoked mac and cheese myself but that will be out uh in front of beaver stadium uh, ahead of the homecoming game against UMass. And then you got a matchup at, at, at Ohio State looming in the distance. And I think that is, you know, if you're looking ahead, that's where the, the season begins. Once again, this is like, uh, this is a, the season is in two parts. And I kind of like the way that the season is set up. You know, you had your tough five games. You know, Delaware wasn't as tough, right? But you've had a pretty good set of set of games that have been, had each its own challenges but now you've got your your tune-up 
against UMass, and then it's the Buckeyes at the shoe, and and that's right where Penn State needs to be right now. Well, we're definitely going to find out about this team in in two weeks. Um, and UMass comes in this game, and they're not they're not much of a challenge here. It's it's more on the level of of, of Delaware. I kind of hope just to get through that game and um, uh, come out healthy. Uh, I know they have some, you know, a couple guys banged up here. And, you know, Harrison Wallace is going to be a nice addition to get back into this lineup. And, you know, so I, I think with that game, you're going to have Aller out there with his three quarters of play. And then you're going to bring in uh, Prabula for, you know, in order to come in and cover the spread like he has uh, on two <laughs> different occasions this year. Um, oh, no. So, so, so yeah, that's going to be uh, interesting. And I will take a vested interest in the Maryland-Ohio State matchup uh, this weekend. Marvin Harrison's been a, a little bit dinged up. Uh, he was actually quoted yesterday as saying that his uh, his ankle that got rolled up on uh, last week is, is worse than the one he suffered last year. So it's something to keep an eye on for them, uh, you know, moving ahead. And, and, you know, I know everybody wants to, you want to beat your team with a, with a full team. You don't want any excuses. And, you know, some of these guys get injuries and they just use excuses, excuses, excuses. And as we see with local sports at times and everything. But you, uh, it's going to be next man up for him. For him. Um, it's not like he's missing time. But, you know, I don't care how it goes. I don't care who's missing. I don't care who's starting. And all I care about is that Fun State can finally walk out of that place with a win. Because we're at the point of the season where, just like the beginning of the season, it comes down to Michigan, it comes down to Ohio State. Yeah, and that's for the Big Ten Championship. That's for a playoff berth. There, and we didn't even mention this, there is an on-three writer that has Penn State in the national, number one in the country, in the playoff against playing Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. So there, the hype is starting to get real. And you're only going to find out – you're going to find out a little bit more about what Ohio State's made of uh, against Maryland. I would be hard-pressed to think that Mike Lossley isn't going to rely on 10 players in Jesus against Ohio State um, like Notre Dame did. So that's going to be a challenge. That's also going to prove what Maryland's got because then Penn State's got Maryland coming up too in November. So, you know, there's just so much right now that's going to start to shake out in the Big Ten, and it's going to be really interesting to see. And it starts this weekend – with Maryland and Ohio State and coming into the season, if you would have told me that, I would have kind of called you, I would have laughed at you pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, you know, like I said, you don't know who's going to come out playing. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to tell us a lot about both teams uh, on this Saturday and what to expect moving forward. So hopefully, you know, Penn State. Penn State shakes off, uh, you know, the injury bug going into UMass next week, and um, you know they can they can get ready and get prepared for big noon kickoff uh, uh, the next Saturday. Now, selfishly, I, I like noon kickoffs anywhere but Fox, um, anywhere but on Fox, right? And I I like the new kick. You get to the stadium fairly early, about ten o'clock, nice and relaxing. Get to the stadium, get to the press box, be received, or I'm sorry. Beaver Stadium is a Pepsi school. Um, Penn State's a Pepsi school. Ohio State's a Coke school. So I'm very, very much appreciative of that as a Coca-Cola fan. So that's fun. Um, but I'm actually, so my wife, her grandfather was in the Ohio State marching band. Now he is 
I don't want to say very old, but he is. He was he was in the band before they allowed women in the band. So to to put that into perspective, so we're going to this to the skull session, the Ohio State marching band. Um, and this is, I think, one of the coolest things about the Big Ten is the marching bands, right? Like the as much as you want to talk about the blue band, they're great, but like the best damn band in the land, you want to talk about Ohio State's band, like it's pretty damn good, obviously. So we're gonna go to the sure. skull session before the game. So it'll be a, it'll be a nice little little break from that. But then you get your whole day, and I think that's the best part. Now out on the West Coast, I mean, you got you got you got a nice. I do. It's um, so uh, some of the listeners may not know that here in Arizona, uh, we do not observe daylight savings time. So right now we're on a three-hour time difference between here and the East Coast, and then whenever they Actually, they go when they set the clocks back in November, I believe it is the first weekend in November. Um, we, we stay, so there'll be a two hour time difference. But for now, with noon games, it's like we start at nine o'clock in the morning and you can go all day long and then you get out here. So, like ASU, which is nothing to crow about as, as far as their program is. Um, so, they start around 7 30 at night out here just because of the heat. Now, we're starting to get it's actually been pretty cool. It was only 96 today. Uh, so so fall is definitely in the air out here in, in the desert. Um, but yeah, you get an, an, an 8 o'clock kickoff or uh, back east, and that's a 5 p.m. kickoff on the West Coast. And, you know, by 8 o'clock at night, 8.30, you're good. It's not like you're staying up till 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning. Uh, same with the NFL. Um, so yeah, it is nice. It's, it, it's nice to to be able to watch that and still have some time in your day. Uh, so this this weekend is, is is interesting because you know as a Browns fan and as a Penn State fan, they both have bye weeks. Even though it seemed like Cleveland decided to take their bye week last week, um, one week early, um, with 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 what transpired there with the Ravens. But you know, so it's be interesting this week. Be stress free. You don't have to worry about it. And just kind of take in some of these other bigger games. You know, we got Oklahoma and Texas going at it um, and, and so on and so forth. So it's going to be a, a nice, fun weekend. Sit back, watch some of these college games, see what some of these teams are made of. And um, pretty much from my end, as, as, as you would expect, I, all eyes for me will be the Maryland-Ohio State game. Yeah, I will actually be spending all day Saturday um, busy. I, I've I busied myself in bye week go figure. I am heading back to Robert Morris, which is where I graduated. Um, they have returned. The hockey programs have, have returned. That was probably the, that was the first major news story that I broke uh, was when their uh -huh. hockey teams were folded. Um, and Kevin Colbert, the GM at the Steelers at the time, who was an RMU alum, was on the trust board of trustees, and he and he left. And he and then I um, reported that, and and the lo and behold, um, it it caught traction and they raised a ton of money and, and kudos to the, to the programs. Um, I, I would imagine actually when, when I talked to their head coach, Derek Schooley, he was in Arizona um, when, when he found out that the, the programs I think had been returned um, or at least one of my conversations with him, he was actually out in Arizona at Arizona state, no less where they do have a hockey program, which is better than the Phoenix coyotes. Uh, or Arizona coyotes. <laughs> uh, whoa, whoa, Phoenix. Who's that? I don't know who that is. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so uh, it'll be great to be back there and going back to the women's game and the men's game. Um, so I, I will be checking my score center app rather frequently as soon as that Ohio State game begins. 
Um, and, and we'll see how that goes, but it, it'll be a nice, enjoyable bye weekend. Um, of course the Cowboys play the 49ers Sunday night. So my misery waits all day for Sunday night. And <laughs> my mother is a, is a 49ers fan. So I've, we've got dinner on that and I would much rather have the Cowboys win than have to buy my mother dinner. Sure. Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, uh, you said about the hockey program out here, you know, that's always been a, and, and it's something we can touch on in the future and stuff. But, you know, Arizona has actually started building a pretty nice nucleus of young guys. Um, you know, Logan Cooley had, uh, if you remember him, he's a freshman last year at Minnesota. He was drafted the year before, I think, number four overall, uh, number three overall, number four overall. And he had a highlight reel goal his first game. And like two games later in the preseason, he had people talking about this is the goal of the year and the season hasn't even started. <laughs> um, so it's, um, you know, it, it's refreshing that the, the Coyotes have been through a hell and high water out here. They, as you know, they play at, the, at ASU's uh, arena that's brand new. It only seats like 6,800 people, um, if that. And, um, you know, last year I got to go to uh, a game that the Coyotes played and we were in the suite and Shane Doan walked into the suite. Uh, so that was, uh, my daughter was with me and it was, you know, it was a pretty enlightening experience for her and to see him. And as you know, he's, he's the only Coyote to have his number retired and they've had one good player in their tenure, I think. Um, but that's not true. They had Phil Kessel fill the thrill. Oh yeah, yeah. And then he he went off to Vegas and won a Stanley Cup. But um, <laughs> so so Don, I got to meet him. Very nice guy. Very down to earth. Um, you know, just ask about me. You know, you know, where are you from? What do you do? Uh, stuff like that. Do you come often? You know, not yeah, a really good guy. Well, he left this year to become assistant GM for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, so that, that kind of sucked. There's not really a place to, for him right now. Um, but he would definitely be a name to be considered if Bill Armstrong ever moves on from his GM here. And it, and then Shane Doan's son, Josh Doan, who was with ASU, decided to forego his collegiate eligibility. And he is now in camp with the Coyotes as well. So they got some, they got some young guys um, in the program with, you know, like I said, Doan and, and Logan Cooley. And, but the future is looking bright as long as they can find a place to put the arena. And, and that's that's where we're at again uh, with them. So I kind of went off a tangent though, the, the Coyotes hockey. And, uh, you know, we can always discuss that with the hockey season, you know, dawning on us here in a few weeks for the regular season. But um, yeah. We're not that's afraid all. to talk about things on behind the curtain that's the part that's the allure of this podcast right we go behind the curtain to find out all kinds of different inside information or different insight regardless of the sport basketball football wrestling hockey you name it we'll get behind it and maybe we'll even you know have some other guests on this podcast that can shed some light on some happenings around our wonderful area both in arizona and in central pennsylvania absolutely but until then this has been jared prugar and Paul Murphy on the Behind the Curtains podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. We thank you, as always, for tuning in. We'll catch you again next week. Enjoy your bye weekend.